How's it going, everybody? This is Chris. Welcome to episode 363 of X-Last, where we're going to be talking about... Well, we're going to be talking about a book. Um, you know, I'm I'm not part of the music industry, nor do I know much about it, but I do know that there's a term used in the industry, or a phrase, I should say. Uh, it's called the, the difficult second album. You know, it refers to the sophomore slump of musicians. You know, you might have your... You know, your groundbreaking first album, the one that feels new, feels novel, introduces you to the world. And then you have your second one. You know, you have to make decisions there. Is it going to be more of the same? Is it going to be... Is it going to be experimental? What is it going to be, your second album? And today, this is our second episode back, and I'm in a similar sort of quandary here, because we are talking about... Well, we're talking about an issue of Marauders, and if I'm being completely honest, and I always endeavor to be, this is, uh, hmm, you know, if this was our first episode back, I'm not sure there would have been a first episode back. Not gonna lie, uh, Marauders number two, when we covered that a hundred years ago, was probably the nail in my content creation coffin. Although we did a few episodes after that, I feel like I was never really the same after that. I feel like that's where I let, I don't know, the dark side overcome me. You know, that's when uh, I started seeing the bad in things, uh, because I really, really, really did not care for that issue. This one, well, I can honestly say it wasn't as difficult as issue two, but uh, still not my kind of X-Men comic. Not my kind of comic, period, but um, it might turn out being vital to the greater, you know, X-milieu of uh, Marvel Comics here. So we will cover it, of course. We will do our best. And um, I will probably offer very, very little in the way of editorializing. You know, I'll say what I like, I'll say what I don't like, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna dwell. So uh, how about we hop right on in here. This is Marauders, Volume 2, Number 3. It's had an August 2022 cover... 2022? Why did I say 2022? 2022 cover date. The story's called Extinction Agenda, Part 3. Written by Steve Orlando, with art by Eleonora Carlini. Colors, Matt Miller. Light is VC's Ariana Ma. Designs, Tom Muller. Edits, Amaro White-Sapolsky. Cover price, 4 bucks. This one went on sale June the 8th of 2022. All right, we start with Delphos and Eric the Red having a bit of an expositional discussion so they can discuss the plot while fingering that little puzzle box. Which, hey, you know what? Considering it's been like six, seven months since I last read an issue of this, I suppose exposition ain't the worst thing in the world. Uh, Though, for all you suckers who've been reading this on release, I guess you're just gonna have to, well, take this recap and like it. Now, they cover last issue's cliffhanger, which... 
I think we could refer to as X-Men in Space Cliffhanger A. You know, the one where the issue ends with the X-Men floating through space, very likely dead. And I mean, that we've, we've gotten that cliffhanger ending at least a half dozen times since Hoxpox, so it's just a thing that happens. We find out here that Xandra had ordered the floating, dying marauders be brought on board their ship, but I could be mistaken here. But I could have sworn the whole gimmick here was that Xandra wasn't in any real position of authority at the moment. I might be conflating stories. I, I didn't think she was in a spot to be giving orders, nor would the Kin Crimsons or whoever be, you know, doing her bidding. Maybe, maybe it's, maybe I'm just forgetting something. It's possible. Uh, let, let's hope so. Anyway, Delphos mentions that a vessel will be destroyed at Infinity's End, and I, I'm pretty sure uh, she's talking about the Marauder's vessel. I, I think it is the Marauder 2 at this point. Uh, now, Infinity's End is also known as the Quarry of Creation. It first appeared in Thanos, Volume 2, Number 8, June 2017, cover date. And I'm pretty sure this is uh, being uh, getting at least a little bit of play in recent issues of Avengers, or it was last summer. Uh, you know, Avengers. If you're reading the Jason Aaron Avengers, it is uh, way, way, way into the concept of the multiverse right now. It's got like a fetish for it. It's got multiversal Avengers. There's like an Avengers base at the end of or at Infinity's End, which I think, I think is a black hole. Like I don't know if it's like a sort of analogous to the Source Wall over in DC Comics, where it's like the literal end of the universe. I could be mistaken. I, I've only read a little bit of the current run of Avengers. I just could not get into it. Anyway, Eric the Red asks what's going on with Deathbird, and he refers to her by her intergalactic government name, Calci or Calci. Now, this zips us over Deathbird Way, where she's fighting her way through a swarm of brood. Now, in reading through my notes for last issue, which we covered in episode 355, I'm reminded that the last Deathbird vignette had her fighting her way through a bunch of uh, Mamamaxes, or elephant aliens. So maybe she's just working her way through the various alien races of the uh, greater Marvel U. In any event, a helpful or vindictive editorial footnote urges us to check out Secret X-Men number one, to which I must ask, what did we ever do to you, Jordan White? Is that book... Alright, moving on. Delphos refers to Deathbird as being an echo of their hollow-boned past and says that the next time Xandra sees her, it'll be on a slab. Preferably next to her other aunt, who I take to mean the next lady we're about to discuss. And this takes us over to a scene shift to Cassandra Nova, who's taking on the Kin Crimsoners, uh, Battelle and Priz... It's PR exclamation point Z. Uh, I'm going to say Priz. I don't know if that's right or not. Now, Cassandra is in, like, full-on sass mode here. I, I f almost expect her to, like, push a random young person out of the way to show them how to, like, really get down and dance. She's a little sassy. Now, Nova says that the Kin Crimson sent an assassin after her years ago. And I'm guessing, or assuming, this is probably when she was pretending to be her twin brother Charles, back during the uh, Morrison days. She goes on to say, during that encounter, she learned of the Ten Shi'ar Shames, or perhaps it's the X Shi'ar Shames, because you may not know this, but the Roman numeral for Ten is an X. Uh, is anybody interested in what makes them so shameful? Yeah, me neither. Uh, I do know that they're dreadfully boring, but couldn't care less about the other nine. Uh, Double-page spread of roll, call, and cred. Our characters include Call Me Kate, Bishop, Psylocke, Dakin, Dakin, Aurora without the roll eyes, Somnus, Tempo, and Cassandra Nova. 
Back to comics, and we're up in upper orbit here on board that Shi'ar vessel. Gladiator leads a bunch of geeks who have rescued the Marauders from space, and Gladiator tells those geeks to have the good guys put in holding cells before they wake up. He also asks about the whereabouts of the Beast. And he's not talking about Hank McCoy, I'm pretty sure he's talking about Cassandra Nova. From here, we hop into Somnus's Seeker 3000 fanfiction, where the team argues a little bit about how to proceed. Then, back to Cassandra, who spends something like 75 pages killing Battelle and Priz. You see, Battelle is collapsed under his own gravity after his containment suit is punctured. I think he's like a living star or something along those lines. A living heavenly body, I guess. A Priz is sent to the Black Bug Room. Which, if you're thinking, hey, that sounds a heck of a lot like a Grant Morrison concept, well, you'd be right. Uh, this first appeared back in New X-Men number 116, August 2001 cover date. And it's basically, you know, the quick and dirty is it's one of those places where you get sent to where you have to face off against your worst fears. Back in its first appearance, Cyclops was sent there. And I think he might have went there a second time, but that happened in a Whedon issue, and I honestly don't have the stomach for none of that right now. Now, this black bug room is basically Priz as a baby dragon surrounded by bigger, meaner dragons. And they torment him, and he, uh, he doesn't survive it. Uh... Cassandra Nova is watching on from the outside of the baby dragon's mind and talks a bit about the wet skin, which I thought was referred to as the hard skin last issue. I, I can't make... I could be wrong. I'm just looking at my own show notes here, <laughs> or my own script. I didn't actually pull the book out, so um, if I'm wrong, mea culpa. Uh, she also talks a bit about symbiotes, uh, but she ain't talking about Venom. Well, what in the hell is she talking about? Well, she's talking about a character called... Uh, well, this is a hard one to pronounce here. Now, you may be confused here. It's a Ziz... It's Z-Z-Z-X-X. But it's not that character from the Hulk. Not the, like, electric lightning thing from the Hulk. It's a different one. Uh, now, this one first appeared in X-Men Kingbreaker number 2, January 2009 cover date. And this was a mutant symbiote that uh, was ultimately bonded to Raza from the Starjammers at the end of all that. Though I'm assuming this is probably no longer the case since I've Pretty sure we've seen Raza a bunch since Hoxpox, and I don't think he had a symbiote. Then again, he might be hiding it. Maybe he's got a lot of pockets. Back over to the Marauders, or as Nova calls them, Sprite's Pirate Club, which is probably about half as cute a name as they seem to think it is. Now here, we're, we're in the you know Seeker 3000 room, and uh, it's about to get a little timey-wimey, I guess. Uh, the crew, they try to plan their next move, right? And it's like, we have no time, what are we going to do? And so Aurora steps forward to offer up her ability to think at light speed. Which I didn't realize was something she could do. Because, like, if she could, I'd like to think she probably would have been a whole lot more useful during her 40 years in print. Uh, she says that she could think up millions of plans in a single second. Okay. Uh, not to mention, they are currently in Somnus's dream mindscape gimmick, where time can move at whatever tempo they need it to. At least I thought that was the deal. Uh, didn't he and Dakin, Dakin, live for like a hundred years and a half hour or something back in like 1960-whatever? I don't know. Unsurprisingly, none of this winds up mattering, because the Marauders come to, they wake up, and they're immediately spotted by the Gladiator's goons. And so we fight. Well, not yet, actually. First, we have to have a full-page spread of Gladiator dramatically burping his way into the area. 
then we fight. Uh, it's worth noting here that Gladiator doesn't appear to be 100% hostile in this situation here. He simply commands that the Marauders stand down, citing that, quote, now is not the time. Perhaps he's suggesting that there will be a time to have this conversation later, but he needs to keep up appearances right now. Well, it don't matter, because the comic gods demand blood, so let's get into the fight. Gladiator, he refers to Dakin, Dakin, as a Lupak, or Lupak, which, if you remember Fang from the old Dark Phoenix Saga-era Imperial Guard, he was a Lupak. Tempo grabs Gladiator by the wrist and hoodoos it, aging it several millennia in order to age and wither it. Just then, Cassandra Nova shows up. She's still sassing up the place. If I didn't know any better, I'd think she was about to turn into, like, a rapping grandmother or something. In any event, she faces off with Gladiator. He refers to her as the Great Disease rather than the Beast. He says that the only reason he hasn't vaporized her yet is uh, due to her affiliation with Krakoa. And so she pulls an expat, waving her Krakoan birthright, which takes us to a pair of panels wherein these two fight. The fight is interrupted by Xandra swooping in on, like, a bohemian grove-looking owl in order to stop the aggression. She is joined by Delphos, and they know that Betel and Priz are dead. Cassandra Nova admits that, yeah, yeah, they're dead, but she refuses to take any credit for doing the killing. You see, she puts the blame squarely on Betel and Priz's own bodies, which I guess is technically true. Xandra offers Call Me Kate an audience, and Kitty says that uh, they got some intel that the Shi'ar are holding the first generation of mutants. And no, we're not talking about that first generation or the other, or even that other one. This is an all-new first generation of mutants, until, of course, the next one we happen across. We zip over to Xandra's throne room, or command room, or wherever it is. Xandra's in a, in a big chair. Kitty reveals here that uh, she'd learned of this first generation of mutants via that puzzle box, that Mysterium puzzle box, or whatever it was, that Reed Richards had given her at the end of the previous volume of Marauders. But, unfortunately, she no longer has it. Uh, she says that it was blown into space during the fracas last issue. However, we know that Delphos and Eric the Red were playing with it at uh, you know during the opening scene of this issue, so it's definitely still at play, whether we like it or not. Info page. It's the secret origin of the Shi'ar, and um, I could have sworn it went a little something like, the most boring person in the universe had sex with a bird, bada-bing, bada-boom, Shi'ar. But no. This upload has to do with uh, Shiraka the Red, or it was done by Shiraka the Red, who I believe is a new character. I'm, I'm pretty sure we haven't met yet met any, like, the Reds other than Eric until <laughs> until this run here. Uh, we do get some mention of uh, various Marvel aliens here, including the Zorians. And uh, it's said here that they offered up their science to call the weaker birdie traits from the Shi'ar, which sadly would only make them even more boring, in my opinion. I mean, seriously, let's just give them a dog with a tuning fork on its head already. But honestly, this might be... Like the, it's so weird. This part of the issue, this little, <laughs> this little takeaway about the Zorians, is um, perhaps the most interesting part of this for me, because earlier on in the issue, when um, Delphos and Eric the Red were talking about Deathbird, they referred to her as like a throwback to their hollow boned whatever the hell. I don't know if that's a reference to her still having those weak bird traits. Like pre-Zorian involvement uh, Maybe there is some sort of forced evolution going on here That could be interesting And I mean, I still find the Shi'ar to be a drag um, And that, I mean, that's not anybody's fault here Nobody involved with the writing of this issue is at fault for my 
distaste for the Shi'ar. It's just, uh, X-Men in space just never did it for me. Anyway, so maybe that'll lead to something. Maybe it won't. Maybe it's just a throwaway on, a, on an info page. We'll find out, hopefully. Uh, we also get mention of the Akanti, which are those whale cruisers from that old brood story. Like those, those like floating through space whales that uh, the broods were like, kind of like setting up their nests in. And finally, there is mention of the first blood spilled, which, uh, as I said last time we discussed this, I think is a reference to that first ever mutant. And, uh, of course, that's not Apocalypse or any of the number of other first mutants we've met. This is a new old mutant, I think. Though I do hope it's like a red herring. But uh, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, We jump back to comics, and we are still in that throne room where I I think we're about to go to war. Xandra says that the Shi'ar will no longer hide from their secrets. Delphos, who here refers to herself as Delphos the Red, does not think this is a good idea. Probably thinking in our best interest here and wanting uh, to save us from another three issues of this story. But alas, Xandra has in fact made up her mind, even going so far as to mind zap Delphos to kneel. Gladiator is ordered to take the traitor Delphos into custody, and I feel like I missed a page or two. Or maybe Xandra is just like at her breaking point and has had enough with any kind of backtalk and is just like, get this person out of my face. I don't know, I mean, she is like eight years old. Maybe this is how an eight-year-old Majestrix would conduct herself? I, I, I don't know. Anyway, the Shi'ar away team is assembled, and the Marauders are sent toward the Crag, which is a space jail from an early 90s arc in Excalibur, and apparently where this Book of Secret Shi'ar Shames is being kept. Now, Xandra, along the way, says that every time she runs into a Krakoan, her eyes are opened even more, but never more so than right now with Kate and her geeks. Info page. It's about the crag. Crag stuff. Lots and lots of crag stuff. Uh, this one's uploaded by Talon A the Red, or Talon A the Red. It's Talon Dash A. And it's here where we finally get to chug out our Marvel Wiki randomizer, and we can talk about the Fraternity of Raptors. Now, these goofs first appeared uh, together back in War of Kings, Darkhawk number 1, February 2009 cover date. One of the members of this group was called Talon R, like Talon Dash R. This was Robbie Ryder, as in Nova's kid brother, who first appeared back in Nova number one, June 1976 cover date. A Talon R was actually short for Talon Rider. So, like, Talon R didn't actually mean anything. It was just a short form of saying Talon Rider. Though I don't suspect anyone dug quite that deep into the wiki to find that out. Anyway, back to comics, and we are already here. We're at the crag, and, uh, well, uh, the guards there run a lightning spear through Xandra. She's probably totally dead, which, that's too bad, I guess. And I tell you what, that sure sounds like a cliffhanger to me. That's where we leave it. Next episode, Wolverine number 22, where I think he's still dealing with a Deadpool. If I'm remembering right, it's been so, so long. I do remember enjoying that, if, uh, if it is still that story. So, uh, fingers crossed it is, and uh, I'm looking forward to getting to it. But uh, that is a concern for next episode. Right now, though, well, like I said at the start here, um, this isn't my kind of story. And sure, I got maybe a little too snarky during the synopsis, but it's all in good fun here. Uh, this is... You know, I feel like there might be kernels of good ideas here. It's not a story I'm ever going to enjoy. It's not a story that's ever going to capture my imagination. These aren't characters that would ever capture my imagination. Of course, I'm talking about the various Marvel aliens that I've just never, ever glommed onto. 
But I can't deny the fact that our creative team here is going all in on it. You know, they are looking to add lore, to flesh out lore, to to add seasoning to the story that we already have here. Now, I don't have to necessarily dig the direction to respect the fact that they're that they're trying something here. You know, like I said, not for me, but I'm sure there are people out there who are getting something out of this. Unfortunately, I can only tell you what I think of it. And without dragging it out, because I know I... <laughs> I tend to do that. Uh, without dragging it out, this just feels like the perfect marriage of things that I don't go for in comics. It's a setting I find boring in space, characters I find boring in the Shi'ar, unnatural-sounding dialogue. I, I, I gotta be honest here, the, the dialogue does not feel like things that humans would say, or I guess any sort of humanoid whatever, any kind of humanoid with the power of speech would say. And the art was a bit hard to follow. Now, that's not to say the art is bad. The art's actually quite good. I, I like I like the designs on all these characters. Uh, Cassandra Nova looks a little weird, but it works. Like, it works for the character. It definitely works for the way she's being portrayed right now. It's just the actual storytelling uh, where I kind of get lost here. Um, there are some pages in here where you could literally cut out each panel on the page and lay them out in any order you want. It's it's not always the easiest to follow. And that might be unfair of me to say because, you know, when the Shi'ar are on panel or on page, I have to fight like hell my uh, tendency to skim. With all that said, I do respect what they're doing here. I respect the effort that's going into just expanding the story, regardless of whether or not I want to see it or be a part of it. I have to admit that they're they're trying here. There's an earnest effort in making this interesting. And hopefully, varying mileages being what they are, people out there are enjoying this more than I am. I will say that when I came into this, my expectations were so astonishingly low that this book over-delivered for me. And I do realize that that's not you know, much of a compliment, but um, it's really all I have to give right now. Um, I'm hoping that once this story is over, once this Shi'ar story is over, I think I've been entering these things into my uh, my Excel spreadsheet as I've just been gathering them and then piling them on a, on a desk here. I think we only have two or three more parts of this before we do something else, and I'm honestly looking forward to what comes next. Uh, if you remember, and I barely do, but uh, the first issue of the Orlando Marauders we read was the annual. And I quite liked that. And I was quite surprised that I liked that. So fingers crossed, once we're out of Shi'ar space, we're back on solid ground where we can tell a story that I can actually become invested in. But I think that's where we'll leave it. Before we go, I'd like to thank some folks for offering me a warm welcome back behind the mic for the current year stuff. It really does mean a lot to me that uh, there are people who are still out there, still interested, and um, or at least still willing to say hello. So thank you all so much. And uh, if anybody out there would like to get a hold of me, you guys know where to find me. I'm at, uh, where am I? Where the hell am I? I'm at uh, chrisisoninfiniteearths.com, which the website is, uh, well, I'm using a WordPress theme that kind of has a mind of its own right now. Like sometimes it works great, sometimes everything looks really, really cool, and then other times it doesn't. And unfortunately, like, nobody can answer any questions about it. Uh, everybody wants to blame third-party plugins that I don't even have. It's just uh, really, really annoying. So 
the blog might undergo some at least aesthetic changes. It might get very, very simple, just so it's not an eyesore and not, you know, uh, whittling away at my last nerve as I try to work with coding that just will not accept. Hopefully I'll figure something out soon. I haven't been putting these episodes on the website because, well, it's just been a real pain in the ass. So, um, Chris is on Infinite Earths. Doesn't look like it's been uh, updated, but I assure you I still pop in on there and I still answer messages and stuff like that. So Chris is on Infinite Earths. Also, weirdcomicshistory at gmail.com, chrisandreggie.podbean.com, xlapsed on Facebook, uh, Twitter, Ace Comics. I don't tweet things anymore, but... um. But I do respond to DMs and I do reply to messages. So uh, if you want to get a hold of me there, if that's if that's your place to be, then I'll be there too. But I think that's where I'll finally end it. I want to thank you all so much for choosing to spend a little bit of your day with me today. And until next time, as always, I'll talk to you again real soon. See ya.